Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, my name's Adam from Toronto, Ontario. And I subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon because I feel that uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are very few people in the industry who are able to consistently get the kind of quality interviews out of very diverse subjects of many creative stripes and disciplines, as Vish does pretty well on every episode of the podcast. It's a no-brainer to me that I want to support this when you factor that in to uh, all of the bonus content you get on Patreon and you know, it's a listener-supported podcast, so uh, I want to keep the uh, great content coming. So that's why you should also support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Jennifer Castle is a wondrous musical force who originally hails from Toronto, Ontario. Currently based a couple hours west of her hometown, Castle actually used her own home as a studio so that she and her dear colleague, the engineer and producer Jeff McMurrick, could capture a more solitary and instinctual recording. The resulting album is a beautiful one called Monarch Season, which is available on October 16th, 2020, via Ide Fix in Canada and Paradise of Bachelors in the United States and beyond. Jennifer and I connected recently for a talk about Monarch Season, Butterflies and the Moon, the National Basketball Association and the Psychology of Performance, Being a Doula and a Mother, Future Plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control 
and Massey Hall's concert film series, live at MasseyHall.com, where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past and even current podcast guests like Jennifer Castle, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 571st episode of Creative Control, featuring the talented and lovely Jennifer Castle with your host, me, Vish Khanna. The butterfly days are here. The butterfly days are here. The butterfly days are here. Hi, Jen. How's it going? I'm good, Vish. Hi, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. First of all, where in the world are you? I am in Port Stanley, Ontario, which is in Algon County, which is in southwest Ontario on the shores of Lake Erie. Ah, and how are things there? Things here are okay. They are... uh, It's beautiful right now. I'm looking at the lake. It's a bit rainy. I'm safe and sound, and yeah, just going about my Thursday. Nice, nice. Are you particularly pleased that you are no longer in Toronto, given the current state of affairs? Uh, I mean, by state of affairs, there are so many layers to that. But yes, are you particularly happy not to be in a big city? Uh, I'm counting my blessings to be where I am at this particularly strange time in history regarding the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was born in Toronto and I love Toronto. This will be, I'm going into my fifth year not being in Toronto. And I feel like having to lock down in Port Stanley really kind of finished the psychological move from Toronto because it took me a long time and I was really going back and forth a lot. And I really felt of two places. And now I really feel like I'm here. Good. No, that's great. I mean, interestingly, unlike some of my uh, Ontario colleagues and friends, uh, I've actually seen you since I moved to Edmonton. I saw you in Edmonton. Do you remember this? I saw you in Edmonton. Yeah, Yeah, I saw you there this year even, which is bizarre. It's kind of bizarre. We didn't know that that might be one of the last times we ever see each other for the rest of our lives, but it's true. And uh, <laughs> well, that makes it that makes it very glad that that happened. Well, I've made comments on the show about how I've only been to two or three uh, shows since moving <laughs> to Edmonton in January, and I love that one of those three shows was you. Yeah, uh, and uh, so yeah, it's it's and one- you had just arrived. I mean, when did you move? Before the just did like, you move in two thousand nineteen? Well, technically, just like the very last. You know, dog days of December, the twenty seventh okay. or twenty eighth, and then yeah, and then yeah, I had I think actually now that I think about it, uh, I had shipped our two thousand five Toyota Matrix here, 
and it, and it you know it took longer to get here than that's right. And so that was my inaugural trip in my Ontario car was to go see your show, and then uh, unfortunately I discovered within a month that uh, it uh, was not going to pass its out of province inspection. So I spent a considerable amount of money. Uh, getting that car ready in Ontario for its inspection in Alberta, and they were like, "No, the car is more than two years old." Honestly, like we, it doesn't pass the thing. So they said, "No, it's it's too beat up underneath." And so I was very frustrated. I love that car, the 2005. Yeah. To- I don't know if you know the 2005 Toyota Matrix, but it's a wonderful car. It's very spacious and uh, no problems. Not a single problem with that thing. And I get here, and they they told me I can't uh, legally have it here. So anyway, huh. yes. Now that you say was this, that. Do you feel like that was foreshadowing for just 2020 <laughs> where you were like, oh, this is all going great. And then it was just like, no, you I shan't have your your proper papers, <laughs> nor anything else. You have, all to, year. you have to spend a ton of money on a new car for your family. Yeah, it's uh, I do. I, I've made this joke many times, but it does feel like we brought the world to its knees just by leaving Guelph, Ontario, because uh, that's right. Everything seems to have gone badly. Like again, I've said this too, and I, I don't know if I've talked to you about it, but it, well, no, I, I couldn't have because we haven't talked about this. But it is weird to me that I left a place and everyone was like, "Aren't you going to miss the restaurants? Aren't you going to miss right. the concerts <laughs> and the events?" I was like, "Yeah, that'll be tough, but it's fine. I've had my fair share of all that." can always come mm-hmm. back and visit. And now nobody really can experience the things that I was supposed to have missed. So I Too feel... True. I know you are uh, into uh, the mystic and the magical. Is it conceivable, Jen, that I am some sort of conduit, some sort of magical being that was, you know, holding the fabric, the social, socio-cultural fabric together with my puny arms? Is that possible? I mean, I think you did this. Uh, <laughs> I'm convinced that this was you. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't want this power. I'm just I don't it's like a, it's like an involuntary superhero, you know? You're like I don't want to be special, That's but right. it does seem odd. Uh, well, you need to be very wise. Yeah, I mean, you need to accept it's a superpower and then be very cautious when you move next time. <laughs> Time it very well. well. Maybe like 2030 or another really significant year. It is it's very weird. It's 2020. That's true. In hindsight, if I may, they say hindsight is 2020, but in hindsight, we shouldn't have moved, uh, clearly, because everything would probably be just fine everything would not be broken yeah i it's i feel i feel badly do you feel like again i alluded to the fact that you 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 have some it comes across on your beautiful new record monarch season as well some connection to i don't know how to describe it actually let's before i go too far into uh, suggesting that you yourself uh, might be a mystical magical person uh with a belief system in you know, certain things. Can you maybe characterize uh, what's going on in terms of just the title, just the title Monarch Season? What does that connote for you? Well, I've thought about that. And it's it's a very sort of literal riff of um, the time of year where the butterflies come through where I live. I live on a migratory path. So we get I live right by a place called Hawk's Cliff, and we get the hawks and the eagles and the turkey vultures and the butterflies kind of come to 
uh, nest, eat, feed, and pass through the shores of where I live. So mm-hmm. monarch season, you know, beyond seeing some monarch butterflies in the in the summer, like I always did, it it is a really sort of much more eventful feeling here because you see really so many of them. So it was easy for me to say monarch season when I went to write that song and and to name it that because it kind of encapsulated the time of year of which I really felt like was infused in this record um, because there weren't any boundaries between the inside of the outside world when we wrote it. It was different to studio scenarios where you really kind of isolate. This, I mean, I have pictures of Jeff McMurray who engineered and co-produced the record um he of him micro miking the waves and miking the outside and just kind of saying if we can't shut it out let's really bring it in and monarch season just it felt like a nice nice thing to name the record because it's it it also had this the butterflies also have this wonderful journey through that they they go on between here and mexico which this area in Mexico, which felt really significant at a time where there's so much talk about borders on this continent. Yeah. So it felt like they felt like free beings to me. And they also, I also kind of love to think about large arcs in general. And I like to zoom out and think about large arcs because it helps me access my endurance and my patience for things that sometimes get, uh, in small in a when i zoom into the small things i'll get frustrated and then i can zoom out and say no there's this large arc happening hmm. and i can participate on that sort of level of scene so monarch season just felt like a nice thing to call this record and of course there's a song called monarch season yeah no and it's a beautiful song and uh, it's a beautiful sentiment you recorded this in your kitchen and you mentioned that jeff uh, brought the outside in um, and I think you alluded to some of the reasons, maybe why that was done. But can you elaborate upon that a little bit? Why not head into a studio as you normally might, and and why not uh, you know make a record or why why infuse it so much uh, with the atmosphere and the environment? Most engineers are like, quiet, shh. I know we got to say everything, shh. You turn the air conditioner off. That freezer is making too much noise. This is the opposite of that. It does feel very outdoorsy uh, on that on that level. But yeah, can you maybe elaborate elaborate upon both of those things? Why your kitchen? Why bring the outside in? What else were you going for there? Well, I had been touring for almost two years when I when I wrote this record last summer. I had been touring Angels of Death. And I'd really been going, going, going. I'd been, for me, especially too, in context. I know to other people, they're like, you are not going. You are not <laughs> busy musician person. But it feels like I'm busy for me because I also try to be at home a lot and raise my son. So I was busy in my mind, very busy. And, and, and bigger tours, if I might say, weren't they? Didn't, weren't you opening yeah. for opening for bigger people and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was really passing in front of a lot of people. Um, yeah. I was in bigger auditoriums and on bigger tours, and I was driving, and I had a seven-piece band, and I was, you know, really pushing. And Angels of Death, uh, as a record, had lots of big sentiments and big big groove uh big grooves and hooks and it was this sort of big thing and I was pushing it and um 
Then I got to a point of last summer, probably right around August. I think we recorded it something like August 18th or 19th or something like that. And the most part of it, the part that came in my kitchen, we just, we did a little bit in Toronto, but the bulk of it was here. And I just said to Jeff, I don't want to go anywhere to make this record. I just want to come be at home. And also I felt like the songs as they were starting to collect were very simple, simple, simple songs. Almost the opposite of what I was had recorded with Angels of Death, which felt like there was a trick to them. Like I was trying to outsmart some concept. I was trying to like be heady about something. Hmm. And with Monarch Season, as these songs started to take shape, it was the opposite. It was about listening to something quiet and not moving and being still enough to say sometimes the, the just the most simple the simple sentiments and so i felt i felt like as soon as i left my house i was working and i didn't want to be working at this record i wanted this work this record to not be a it's a piece of work but i didn't i wanted it to be kind of non i didn't want anything to happen to the songs as they were in my kitchen i was like i want to record these and even when i go to a studio still you know i can be all the parts of my personality are there. And then it's like, one, two, three, four. And then it's like, serious. I'm recording the song now. Yes. And I just wanted to not perform them in some way. And that way, because I also did improvise them a little bit as I was recording them, they weren't all in, they weren't all fully created. I just improvised a few takes of songs that were almost, almost finished. And I didn't want to shape them up too, into too much. I wanted to see if I could capture them at their most simple versions. So it felt like home cooking. Does, does simple in this context mean instinctual as well? Like the kind of, um, not a casual, not more, well, maybe casual. Does that make sense? Maybe. Like you, yeah. you, you, you caught them early and didn't fuss over them, so to speak. Is that fair? Yeah, and also they're they weren't very cerebral to me. I, I mean, sometimes I can think of an idea, and then I can. I love writing. I love the kind of solving riddles in writing, and I can really start to work a concept. And that had been how Angels of Death had gone for me. I mean, yeah. I really got into writing that. I was like, we need to solve some problems here. Yeah. And, yeah, you yeah. know, and this, yeah, I just wanted the sentiments to be more kind of felt in the body, more just felt that I liked to sing them, more quiet, uh, like as if I was hearing the sentiments for the first time. And so that they even sort of surprised me, like by the end of recording them, I was like, oh, this is actually like a really romantic, heartfelt record, you know, a, a very sort of just intuitively sung record of songs, the, of these songs, and I like to sing them this way. Also, yeah. I just, I was in a place where, oh, a monarch just flew by oh two of them just flew by get out of here really just now <laughs> yeah because it is the season now too. oh wow um yeah so every time i see them now right now i'm like thank you <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah so i just i just wanted to keep it yeah simple and intuitive but i don't use those words 
condescendingly. No, I, I, and I don't either. They're, yeah. they're not meant to discount the the forethought and the the dedication or the work ethic. It's not to suggest that well, one and done. You know, I'm. I'm yeah. It, that must be great. One of the reasons I ask about this uh, because we're talking about. Uh, the the art of creating and performing and the context of where that work is done. This might seem like a weird tangent. Uh, Jen, do you follow NBA basketball in any way? Uh, casually. Casually? Okay. <laughs> the reason I ask this, and again, this might seem weird. So uh, for those who don't know, there's this, as we're speaking, and probably by the time uh, this is reaching people, the whole thing might be done for the year, but there's this bubble thing happening with the NBA because of the pandemic. And so basically mm-hmm. they're, they're playing games. There's no audience. Uh, That's right. And, and what I have noticed about this is a psychological, I, I feel like a psychological difference between what we're seeing in the bubble play and what we would normally see when there is a performative aspect an audience in front of these players because I have mm-hmm. gone to NBA games and I don't know if you have you ever been to an NBA game? Um, yeah, I've seen the Raptors. Seen the Raptors. So I don't know if you've ever watched the warm up, but the, these players will shoot around, and I, I, I you know, I'm going to make a general statement here. When they're shooting around in the warm up, it's like they can't miss. It's remarkable. The game's not on. Yeah. Psychologically, they're relaxed on some level, like they're just warming yeah. up. And they're hitting everything. Like I've seen it. I've seen people hit like fifty threes in a row. Yeah. And it's and then the game starts and they start to stiffen up a little. They 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 choke up just a little bit. They can't do yeah. it the same way. It's obviously different psychologically. It's different. Yeah. So this draw and so the bubble play has been interesting because I think the level of of play is better than oh, wow. than the when they're in front of the audiences. At first it was weird, and then sure. I, I think they're actually performing better because they're sort of that less. There's less eyes sure. in, on them. While, like, obviously, they know it's being televised and all that stuff. So my point here is... <laughs> no, I'm following. You go into the recording studio, and there's a real like intent there. There's a psychological shift. I know this from my own experience. As soon as someone says, we're rolling, the laughter kind of subsides. The, mm-hmm. the, the feeling changes. Like, okay, it's on. And then mm-hmm. also, we've also... I'm sure you've had this too. The demo... Of a of a song feels amazing, like that first. Yeah. You know, you know that that demo is not simply your first thought. It is you practicing and and coming up with something, and then you you decide to hit record on your lonesome, and you're yeah. like, yeah, that's it, that's the feeling. Then you take it to the studio. It's not the same somehow. Sometimes it's better, but it's not quite yeah. the same. So yeah. I am sorry. This is a, a, a you you follow where I'm going here. You're in your kitchen. Yeah. You're in your kitchen. It's just yeah. you and Jeff. There's no other people that are waiting on you, I don't think. You know, there's no other. No. It's just these, you know, four eyes probably in, in a room. Yeah. That must shift your ability to transmit your songs, to perform in a way that feels relaxed and natural. And that must teach you something about, like, I think what you're saying is this might have taught you something about how you normally would do things by going into studios. All that stuff. Is that fair to say? This was a very long example, but is that fair to say that you've learned something from this oh, experience? No, I, I, think that's, I think that's a great comparison. And I mean, I don't do demos usually because they only break my heart. Because And so when I go into the studio, I often try to capture first takes 
but even then the amount of pressure I feel not in a bad way, but I do feel this enormous pressure because I'm there. It's very expensive. There's all of this stuff happening. And, and I can question, is this song good enough to warrant going into a $500 a day studio? You know, like all these things can come up and yeah, pressures get in the way. And then something, yeah, I felt, I felt that way too. Like I could just access, um, something more akin to what I perform the music I play. And I live, I spend a lot of time, you know, after my son's gone to bed, I, this is the kind of music I play when I'm at home, (laughs) you know, it's like I, I practice and I love to play with the band and bands know that, as you probably know, bands always know like, oh man, the show was great, but oh, that rehearsal was so great. Yeah. You know, like you always have like your best take and it's always when you were rehearsing um, and there was no pressure. But yeah, I, is I that, just so felt, that's that's psychological and perception, isn't it? Like that's yeah, a, that's, I think it's just head games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone else in the crowd will be like, "No, that was great. I mean, I've seen you before. That was the best I've ever seen it." And yet, you'll I do it all the time. I had to learn to stop, uh, you know, downplaying or or you know the awkward thing of someone pays you a compliment uh, as a oh, performer and you say, "Well, you know." Yeah, we kind of missed that note, <laughs> yeah, or I was a bit I that one time I, I missed know. it, and they're like, "Okay, I guess I won't ever compliment you again." Because I what know. the hell? Yeah, we all do it. We all are. We our yeah. brains are wired that way. We go negative. The, the the worst thing that I do it all the time. Ten emails with compliments. The one that is not is the one I oh. respond to, and it's just oh our, my god. You know what I mean? And uh, oh. what do you do that? No, I mean, yeah, that's my life. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, what? Yeah, 100%. I'm still trying to just like overcome an insult that was hurled at me probably when I was like five. I'm like, gotta overcome that. It's the way our brains are wired. Like I've read about this uh, and it's just the way we, we tend to dwell on the negative. And you'll get, like I, in your case, 10 perfect reviews, like reviews that say your record's great, but the one... The one that says yeah. it's not the the great the greatest thing ever. Oh, that's the one you remember. It's just a weird negative yeah. bias we have. And so, anyway, all this to say, I I am very much uh, a fan of sort of verite uh, in art. Uh, you know, well, that was the moment. That was the time. I know. You, I think you are too. Uh, the songs mm-hmm. I the last time I saw you play with your band. The songs I knew of yours had changed and shifted. Mm-hmm. Like some of my favorite artists do that, where, you know, the record, the thing they made in the studio, that was the day. Everything else, mm-hmm. the song has a life of its own. It doesn't have to be that day over and over. It's not Groundhog. It's, you know, you can't just keep reliving yeah. the song in some sense. So we have to let go yeah. of things. And so it seems to me that even making these choices that you and Jeff made was that's what it is. That's what it was. And yeah. and that's what we're going for. We're going for what it was, yeah. not what, yeah. you know, some fabrication of something in our head or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I had wanted to be making I had wanted to make a record like this for a while. I mean, I I had cr- I probably thought that I was making something closer to this with Angels of Death, recording it in the church and putting the band, even though I uh, wrote the songs, you know, cerebrally and really put a lot of attention to sort of crossing my T's and dotting my I's with the concepts in that record, putting the band in the room and saying, okay, we're going to play this live together and kind of putting us in some sort of situation of which spontaneity had to have, you know, had a place was important to me. But, and I, but this record I had kind of 
said this to Jeff before, like, I don't want it to be in his studio. Like, I don't want to go back into like a precious situation. I, I, and I want in, I want it to sound almost more like the four track recordings I used to make yeah. um, in my twenties. Yeah. And um, I want it to have that kind of life, that quality of that tactile quality of, you know, just abrupt changes and things. So this, this had also just been something I'd wanted to do. And that last year, that's the time that I did it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I, my relationship with records is changing a little bit myself in that I am starting to see them uh, not just simply as uh, music uh, to entertain me when it's out and whatnot. I, I do see these things as personal archives for the artists, you know, mm-hmm. a documentation of a time and place. And mm-hmm. in that sense, I think these records are a reflection of something, a reflection of a, a shared time, but a reflection of uh, what the artist is thinking and feeling. Um, so with that in mind, I know the moon um, plays a role in, mm-hmm. in, in terms of this uh, being kind of a, a reflective orb. Talk about the moon and its relationship to Monarch Season, uh, if you don't mind. Well, I mean, where I live, I get a spectacular view of the moon rising almost to its setting. And I picture going up the street the stairways where I live and you can see it. It's always kind of in the windows when it's out. It's, it's in the window. It's really a sort of, it's really omnipresent, um, in the evenings in, in my house. And I also, I felt like these songs, it, they kept mentioning the moon. So I sort of co- collected all the songs that were th- mentioning the moon that I had. Yeah. And the moon is like a very, it's kind of mythologically characterized as the feminine and it's it's also a reflection it's also a reflected light which i think is so interesting and i had said when i was writing for brendan from paradise of bachelors um he had asked me to talk a little bit about the moon too and i had kind of realized that i had gone through this you know cycle in my life where i pinned the light actually onto the rock itself and would consider the moonlight the moonlight when really it's the sun's light yeah and and i just i know that i knew that i'm not saying i'd literally forgotten but i i was just i had taken for granted that those two things were very separate that the stone and the light were different it was a relationship that was creating this experience of the moonlight that i was having so powerfully every time i saw the moon and so it felt like also what was happening was the concepts in this record were very much about being in relationship to something yeah and and then i i just had respect for it uh being a heavenly body that also reflects the sun which feels so um powerful and then sets and then gives gives uh Give this gives the sky over to the to the moonstone that then reflects its light, and I was just cherishing it so much. Just in the way, I guess, when you get older and you can like revisit a concept for the first time, when maybe they taught you that in school, and you're like, "Wow, that's so interesting," or whatever. And then you live <laughs> enough years where you're like, "What? Oh my god, I need to revisit that." So I was like, <laughs> "No, it's I very re- it's, it's astute." I think I. I- we all call it the moonlight, but it's true. It's not yeah. really the moonlight is it's, the sunlight. It's the sunlight. And I was just, yeah, re-cherishing it. And then I was, 
And then in that way, I was just at a place maybe in my life where I was re-cherishing the concept of relationship and individuality. And that ended up being kind of one of the muses. Well, I think one of the things we probably also start to think about as we get older is that all of our personal relationships are some reflection of us. Uh, The people we choose to have in our lives, they say something about us good or bad. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you mentioned that the moon is often mythologically characterized as feminine. I don't know if you said it is also considered to be a, a symbol of maternal, you know, a maternal symbol, but I do. Mm-hmm. I am as a parent as you are as well. Like I'm, I, I've, I've started to see how uh, my children are basically a reflection of me. And so mm-hmm. when we're upset with each other, I realize we're upset with uh, aspects of ourselves that we're seeing in each other somehow. Uh, Not always, but I think when I step back and be like, what was that about? What was that discussion or debate or argument or whatever about? Well, they were acting this way or I was acting this way. And I realize we're just little reflections of one another. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of almost, I've said this numerous times with people as well. Like I think when you're angry at someone generally, uh, yeah. you're mostly a little bit angry at yourself. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So is that, so again, it's good and bad. This, this notion of reflections of people, of relationships being some, some, we see ourselves in the other person, whatever the nature of the relationship is, that's kind of swimming around in here perhaps as well, both for you, maybe as a mother, mm-hmm. as, as you know, a person in different kinds of relationships, as a friend, as a lover, what have you, is that fair? Mm-hmm. Is that all in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. And, you know, I've become far more interested in what I project onto uh, situations than I am. I think I spent a lot of time being very interested in just the reactionary circumstances of relationships and, you know, thinking another person did this or another person did that. And now I'm way more interested in what I'm projecting onto the situation and what I can adjust and what is mine and what, you know, and just kind of owning my projections. And it just feels like just better, more healthy for me um, to do that. So yeah, it, it is kind of this, it does deal conceptually with that, with just how we're in relationship with each other and how we're always and, and, and in gravity with each other you know, and how we're affecting each other all the time. And we, I mean, that is really, that is, that is a truth to me that the moon being a reflection of the light of the sunlight is a truth to me, but also the moon governing earth, the blue planet, the water planet is also a truth to me. Yeah. And, and it governs the waves that I listen to every night. I fall asleep to the sound of these waves crashing. Lake Erie is a very shallow lake and they crash on the shore. And also, my tears are governed by the moon and the water in the wombs of the children that come onto this earth are governed by the moon. And I also work as a doula and I also say things like the, you know, pay attention to the moon when you're pregnant and don't pay attention to it for the news, but pay attention to it for the feeling that it's also a leader in how the water with that the baby's floating in is is going to react. And, and so I, 
the relationship of the moon and the water is also very important to me. And we're made of water. So we're governed by the moon in many ways. This mm. rock, mm. this rock of magnet with this magnetic, magnetic pole. So just the compassion for the earthly bodies and, and what makes them move and what makes them uh, how they how they react to each other, what governs them, things like that. It's very compassionate towards the, our our experiences on Earth. When I keep that in mind, you know. Do you feel like we have a particular bias towards, let's say, the sun? Do you feel like the sun everyone thinks is John and Paul, and the moon is George and Ringo? Just as important, just as right. important. We shouldn't be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I do feel like we put a lot of oh, it's it's horrible the sun is not out today or ah oh, it's raining right. there's no sun the clouds covering the sun no one says that about the moon no one's like ah, i can't see them well i mean some people probably do i mean i do i mean you'll you're you're gonna hear me probably be more disappointed on a cloudy <laughs> night than a cloudy day i'm like no i can't see it um uh, does that I... say something about us that we have a sun bias and that the moon is just the moon is the moon but to your point which by the way totally valid it is the water god. If we have a water god on Earth, it's the it's the goddamn moon, and we it's are ninety percent water. So, I mean, people. I mean, I don't know enough about this stuff, but people say they're cycles. Things are controlled. They're cycles. Things are controlled by the moon. Uh, the personality. Oh, a full moon tonight. We do talk about the moon as this controlling, yeah. more of a controlling entity. Then maybe we do the good day sunshine. Sorry for all the Beatles references, but the sun. That's okay. The sun gets, uh, you know, a lot of the spotlight, no pun intended, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, I think we are the sun's children in many ways because it's a living light and it is our, we're sort of manifestations of its heat and energy and it creates a lot of growth and it's, you know, I always think, okay, you know, thankful for the sun uh, that that creates all this life around, around that I'm a part of. But it does, yeah, it's, and it's sort of known as the more masculine, the, the masculine energy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I, as a, as a female identified person, yeah. I am very aware of the moon too because i have cycles within my body that i experience monthly as yeah. well as the moon so right. i just naturally tune to it because whether or not i'm in sync with it or not uh doesn't necessarily matter it's just the other thing that has a monthly cycle that i see all the time and so i i just i uh, the sun doesn't have it more has like an annual cycle and i guess um I'm actually not sure about the sun cycle. I know it. <laughs> so you have a you have a moon bias. Most of us have yeah, a sun bias. I have bias. a moon bias. Yeah. I have a moon bias. I'm 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 like, what's up, moon? Good night, moon. <laughs> Good night, moon. Hello. I moon. slept with my window open last night just to let it slide in. I don't usually do that, but on full moons these days, on full moons this time of my life these years, I I'll open the window and let that kind of blue light in. What is but, that? Wait, wait a minute. What does that mean? These years, this time in your life, why is the moon more important to you? Obviously, we're talking about it. Obviously, it has infiltrated uh, your artistic practice on Monarch season. It's in yeah. your. It's on your mind. But why? At this, but what you say at this point well, in particular? Why? Well, because I compare it to. <laughs> I compare it to maybe four years ago, or four, four or five years ago, where the moon, the full moon, would rise, and I. I 
have always been like a moon loving person. So full moons, I'd love to go out, love to see them. And then around four or five years ago, around maybe even just a bit less than that, maybe when I was kind of coming up on 40, the moon would rise. It was around full moon, it was too intense and I would want to go inside. I would almost close up my curtains. Mm. It felt like an eye. It felt like an eye that was watching me. I was like, suddenly I don't feel like I'm watching you. Why do I feel like the moon is like all seen? And I would just go inside. It was just an intense time of the month, the full moon Mm. for me. And I would more just kind of be like, oh, here comes the full moon. Time to fold up the chairs and go inside away from its all seen you know, energy. And now I'm just really happy to have come through those sorts of like challenges and difficulties and um, feel like when I see a full moon now, you know, I'm throwing open the curtains and being like, my old friend, the full moon, (laughs) you know. (laughs) It's interesting too, that we can look at the moon. We can stare at the moon for forever. We can't really look at the sun. That, that in itself. I know. Feels performative. It's like the moon is this captivating performer, and the yeah. sun is like, I will blind you. I will blind you if you look at me. Don't I look at me. I will burn your retinas out. Like, yeah. it's it's too much. Yeah. I know, the sun is, like, very powerful, and, you know, it's lovely to, to experience its its little, you know, circle of light all night long. It's, you get to receive its light, but in such a mild, friendly uh, dose. Absolutely, absolutely. You were saying something there also about gravity, and um, I know that I've received some uh, context for the record that suggests that uh, you have been engaging in personal experiments on the effects of microgravity. Uh, and what it says, well, it, what it says here, maybe you don't even know what this means. It says here in this context, increased immediacy, intimacy, domesticity, simplicity, brevity, and directness. I'm not I'm not really familiar with microgravity. We were talking about the moon. You were talking about gravity. What is microgravity in relation to you and uh, monarch season? I mean, I'm not entirely sure. Those I don't think those are my words, but maybe what it can mean to me cuz you're asking me. <laughs> this is the biographical information I've re- that- I've received and you say, "Oh, okay, this is news to that's fascinating in itself." Maybe the I mean, maybe the sun wrote this just to throw everyone off, but yes, if yeah. you, do you know what that means at all? I mean, microgravity, I don't know what it means in a specifically scientific way, yeah. and I'm sure it has a fascinating answer should it. I don't want to look it up because I'm afraid to move my phone, but you should look it up. Okay. We should find out what it means. I'll figure it out, yeah. But I can speak to paying attention to the small things suddenly um, and knowing that in the small experiences, for me, in the sort of small experiences, instead of putting my attention into really big, big theoretical things that sometimes I get caught up in thinking, instead I started to look at what was right in front of me. And to and becoming fascinated and interested in my small exchanges with people and my people that were really close to me, and how you know those things can being paying attention to those things can start to change actually uh, the really bigger things in your life. So it's kind of like looking at the small wheel a little bit instead of maybe necessarily thinking about the big wheel of maybe grace or you know, the divine big wheel instead looking at the small things. Yeah. 
Okay, there's some there's a lot of shifting going on here that I by the way, I was just thinking about this. I asked you about basketball earlier. Don't you in at one point on your record say nothing but net? That's a basketball yeah. phrase. Was that I a no. I forgot. Which song is this? Sorry, I I'm sorry. I don't have it at the No, that's okay. And I thought about that actually when you were talking about the NBA. I was like, Segway alert. Segway alert. <laughs> you thought that's where I was going and I went a totally <laughs> different way. But that is that's the you you took that from basketball, didn't you? Nothing but net. Yeah, well, that is in relation to me talking. It's, that's in the song Monarch Season. Yeah. And I think it says at one point, that it's describing these butterflies, and I say, they even dance on the waves. Yeah. I could take a picture, but who's to say? I'd capture it clearly. And then I thought about the butterfly nets that kids have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, nothing but net, as if you swiped for the butterfly and you didn't get it. Very but I knew it also had that double entendre of, Nothing but net the basketball world. Yes, very clever. That's good. That's a good... I thought about the butterfly thing when the net, that's what I thought it was. But then as I was... Sorry, this is all kind of coming to me all of a sudden that I asked you about basketball. Forgot to ask about nothing but net, which is clearly a basketball expression. However, Mm -hmm. in the context of a a record that is at least, you know, nominally, if not more, uh, you know, connected to the, the life and times of the butterfly, nets... That's a lot of, they got to dodge some nets. So that's all I was, yeah. uh, sorry. That's interesting. You like basketball. No. I don't want to make this all about basketball, but you like I ba- do like basketball. Okay. And also at the foot of my driveway, not only is there Lake Erie, but there is a basketball net that my son plays on. So I get, I have lots of in, really cool pictures of my basketball net, but its backdrop is the lake. And yeah. it's really cool. And I always think, what a cool place to shoot hoops. That's what I always say to my son. I'm like, wow, what a cool spot to like be shooting hoops, you know? So um, it's it's there for me as a visual too. Well, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's I love it. I think it's cool. Speaking of orbs, the moon, the sun, ball, basketballs. I mean that that thing's floating in space. It has you. You were talking about arcs. I mean, you need an arc. I feel like you this. Do. I feel like this whole thing. This is a basketball record. It could be called basketball season. <laughs> I don't see why it's called monarch season. But the other thing I want to you wanna... know what? I'm down with that. <laughs> we got changed. And it. I've been wondering whether my merch should just say nothing but net with a butterfly. That would. Be... But then I was like, Am I going to get like the NBA on my? No, case? that's not there. They don't know. They don't know that. Because I would wear that. Nothing but net. I please, please do. I will order. <laughs> Three of them. Four of them. I'll order one for each member of my family if you make a nothing but net shirt. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I think that's the, the banger shirt. I, I'm making the shirts this week, and that's the one I think is really cool. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. The other thing I want to do, ask you about, uh, beyond all the things we've been discussing, is your how maybe all of what we're discussing is, is related to your concept of love. Um, because I, I feel like there is a little bit more... It's a little... Sorry. It's somewhat more abstracted uh, in some ways, the, the themes of love and, and, and relationships. I think it's all there. But there, on the song, Justice, you actually say, I love you, which is, um, I think, unusual for you to be that overt. What's going on with you and love on this record? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, you know, that's an interesting question. And I, I can say that I've struggled to inhabit or to let that word be very meaningful for me like to say I love you because it was very it's been obviously said a million times and in a million ways and I as a young writer I used to 
just not think it was relevant really to say that as a writer. I was just like, what does that even mean? Like it's been, I, I didn't even know what that meant anymore. Yeah. And you know, one of the great things about uh, living years and collecting years is things get to change and you can, you, you get to witness how things change and resonate for you differently when like maybe for the first like 25, 30 35 years of your life, you're always like, I'm new here. This is new. I'm thinking about this for the first time. This is the first time. But, yeah. you know, then I noticed as I started to creep towards 40 and then just slightly beyond, I'm 43 now, I was like, oh, this is changing for me. And I can, I can wholeheartedly say the word love now and think it's such a beautiful, beautiful word and sentiment to share. And I don't feel perplexed inside. Uh, that I'm saying something cliche or that I'm saying something that's, you know, oversaid. And I don't need to find, it's actually a really simple sentiment yeah. and it's simple and I'm glad it just exists in its simplicity. And maybe that's also just that I've started to feel that word as an experience more within myself and now can just speak to it. Whereas, I don't know. I was just like maybe in a little bit more of a complicated way when I was younger. You know, it was hard for me to wrap my head around such a simple concept. There was a riddle in it for me. And now I'm happy that it doesn't feel like a riddle. You know, you, you were saying that this expression was maybe a little less cerebral than maybe some of the other things. But I feel like you've put, if you haven't consciously put a lot of thought into these concepts and these ideas... It feels like, you know, this is the result of a lot of experience, uh, th this expression and, and this sort of letting go of worrying, worrying about what something sounds like or worrying mm -hmm. about, I mean, literally, like or, or all encompassingly, I guess is what I mean. What, mm -hmm. it, what sounds like to hear the word love come out of someone's mouth, what it sounds like to make a record in your kitchen. It feels like mm -hmm. you, you've really let go of a lot of things and... Thank you. I feel like I have. Okay. You take it as a compliment. I, I, there's something going on there, too. <laughs> I also, I was fascinated by this, and I didn't realize this, and you mentioned it earlier. You've been working as a doula? Yes. Yeah, I, be, um, I have been working as a doula. I've been a doula since Sunny. I got certified as a doula around when Sunny was three Okay. or started three or four. So he turned 12 this weekend. So oh, happy, yeah, happy birthday. For... Happy birthday to Sonny. Yes, thank you. And yeah, to you. You, a... you mentioned you're 43. Happy birthday to you. I forgot to, I was going to interject. Thank but, you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, we're, you know, I was 31 when I had him. And so, yeah, I became a doula certified at around 34, 35. And yeah, that's something I do part-time. I'm what, not, I'm not a full-time doula because I'm often traveling. Right. So uh, two questions. What compelled you to become a doula? And, and also for those who maybe aren't sure what that consists of, what do you do as a doula per se, Jen? Right. Well, I just, a doula is a birth companion and it's somebody that helps a w woman, a female and her family, whatever that looks like, through the course of... I'm a labor doula, so I help people through their labors. Okay. And it's different than the midwife and the doctor, but I work alongside midwives and doctors. Mm -hmm. But I work for the mother, so when the mother begins to experience labor, she calls me, 
and I go to her and I don't leave her side until the baby's uh, earth side and feeding however the baby's going to feed and then I leave. So it's sort of your constant companion through the entire labor experience. Right, okay. Um, and I wanted to become a doula because I had my baby when I was 31. And I remember afterwards, I had my son at home uh, with a midwife. And I remember thinking afterward, oh, wow, there's so much that I didn't know yeah. like about childbirth. I was like really actually kind of floored about how little I knew. Yeah. And so I thought there's so much room to to share this experience and help others through this experience. And also it felt like immediate community and feminist work to me when I was in that place in my life. And it felt important to help and facilitate healthy births for women. And I don't discriminate what kind of a doula never discriminates um yeah. what kind of yeah. birth you're going to have yeah. she helps you through whatever kind of birth you want to have so i i just kind of i always say i tune to the family i tune to the mother and i'm just your i'm just a companion for the for the mother as she gives birth no it's 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 remarkable it's a very special uh it goes without saying that it's a special occasion of course uh mm-hmm. <laughs> labor but it is particularly uh we we had both of our we were able to have both of our children in our living room in Guelph and with midwives present and i uh feel very fortunate about that uh there was something mm-hmm. very comforting about doing it was actually one of the main reasons i didn't want to sell our house <laughs> it's yeah. like this is a site that i want to preserve in some way and yeah. of course you let go of that as you realize well the kids are coming with you so uh they're the, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're the uh product of that whole circumstance so yeah no i i appreciate that that is something that um you would want to to help people with and uh mm-hmm. it, it's good of you to do that one of the other striking things about uh we're talking a lot about reflection here we're talking about the moon mm-hmm. i feel like you're reflecting upon you and your work and your practice and it mm-hmm. strikes me that on this new record you've revisited a castle music song uh from i believe 2006 veins is from 2006 right too true yeah. Yeah. So this is where I first encountered you, Jen, and maybe you encountered me is uh, when you were performing as castle music. And um, yeah. curious, just why this happens from time to time. I neglected to ask Bill Callahan about why he uh, per, uh, sings uh, and updates a smog song on his latest album. I'm not mm-hmm. going to make that mistake with you. Why? <laughs> why have you chosen uh, to uh, sort of revisit uh, at least the melody and the the sort of idea of the song veins uh, mm-hmm. on this record. Yeah, I well, I again, it has the refrain. Um, I'm going to the moon on my memories of two. Yeah. So it kind of felt felt like it was speaking to me conceptually with this like moon collection, and also I thought it was cool because it it was a little bit beyond its years when I wrote it, I guess. And then when I re-sang it, just beyond its years to me, um, because now that I'm singing it as a bit older version, I was like, oh, that's cool that you wrote that when you were 24 or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And, and now I'm really, you know, now I really am kind of like reflecting more on those words and, and wanted to revisit them. And um, 
I like to play harmonica on that song, and it, I was playing harmonica on the record, so it just kind of fit in. I've never re-recorded any of the songs off Castle Music Live at the Music Gallery. Yeah. And they, they are, I think there's like eight, eight or nine original songs on there, and they are all in a live version. Yeah. And, you know, I love those songs. I still perform many of those songs live, but no one's ever heard of them unless you have this like CDR kind of self-put out uh, record that I put out I think like, I, that we're talking about. I believe I have that in the bay. I had to unpack all my CDs. I believe I have it downstairs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just like a little thing I did myself and... So I, I've always, you know, I just kind of was like, oh, you should bring one of the songs just because it kind of cycles back on my own little canon of records. And then also uh, some of my, you know, Willie Nelson revisits songs a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a huge Willie Nelson fan. I love, I love when he, you know, just revisits songs. I'm so down with that. I I love it. Um, To reinterpret your own work, I think is really fun and it's, it's cool to do that even just as a writer. Yeah. So that's why I did it. No, it's great. Uh, Will Oldham does it as well a lot. And he mm-hmm. uh, once told me that uh, when I said this to him, he's like, no, they're not the same song. And I said, right. What do you mean, Will? Like they're, it is the same, isn't it? And he's like, no, these are different. They exist in different universes. And then he proceeded to tell me about the alternate universes of, uh, I think it's the DC comics universe. And I was like, Oh, he really went all in, went all in yeah. on that. And I was like, and, and now I initially I was like, what? I don't understand. I totally believe it now. It goes back to what I was saying earlier, but different versions of the, the song is, you know, the recording is just that day. I'm all right. in. I'm all in on that idea. And I like the idea that it's, right. it is so foolish of us to say, uh, you know, the song is the song as it once was. And that is it. Uh, it's, it's like, why ever listen? Why collect a record? Why? Right. Why listen to anything ever again? Like. Right. Really, if that's your argument, then the first time you heard it, that should be enough. That's done. You're done. Every time else you've heard it. Anyway, that's right. It's really weird. Uh, it's a weird. No, it's yeah. It's kind of like I, I mean, I, I respect that answer too. That they're that they're not the same songs, and yeah. especially for the writer to recognize one's own change of perspective yeah. and growth, yeah. and and that's like if you can bring that energy every time you perform, if you can bring that energy just to your own music then you're really getting a lively experience of Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and i think that's those are shows i love to watch you know i love it when somebody plays it throwback old school style and just hits those notes from a recording i love so much too i do love that but i love to see how things change and grow it's like you wearing you know an old threadbare shirt that you wore in your 20s like i'd love to see that now you know and and (laughs) be like that's great and it's like you get to experience the nostalgia and also you get to experience that you've changed yes you know and then you get to it kind of folds that whole moment into into itself and i like that yeah i i'm totally with you do you think the moon resents the fact that we uh call showing our bare ass mooning mooning yeah, I mean, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> we just talked about I, the bias of, you know, people are like pro-sun, right. anti-moon, and uh, yeah, what, what I mean, bigger insult? Hey, moon, check this out. This is what we call, yeah. when we show people our asses. <laughs> it's like the pale cheeks. Yeah, what the um, hell? Well, it depends on I your, mean, it depends, they're not always pale, if I may, but yeah, yeah. it's right. Yeah, but it's weird. Compare, they are compared to like, probably, for most people, compared to what their other. Sure 
You know, I mean, you're, they're most often, it's like relatively pale, yeah. unless yeah. you are a nudist. That's right. There's nothing. That's it's right. It's all one. It's That's all right. one. We're finally getting some light, just like the moon is a reflection of the sun. We're like, yeah. we want to get some light on our moon. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's some, I think I've cracked the code here uh, on some level. And oh, I said crack. Okay, this is bad. Oh, There's a lot of bum bum stuff going on. Uh Jen, if uh what sorry, normally at this point, and I know it's hard to say uh what's next, uh, given that we're in a pandemic. But what do you Yeah, what is next? I have been I'm asking just... people I have been asking people like what are you gonna like obviously you're doing some press because we're talking, uh yep. and the record's gonna be out in the world and all that stuff, but what is your do you have plans for uh keeping uh the record in people's uh view uh in the next uh, weeks and months i mean i gotta i gotta level with you i have not one zero thing planned i it's bizarre i i mean what a strange time i've i've i'm releasing i'm releasing this record and of course there's many questions as to is this a good time to release a record and i just kind of thought well i'm going to release it because it because it is a weird time yeah. and because some things get so locked into habits that I was like, let's release it now because it's weird and I, it's unknown. And that's just more interesting than, you know, having known how it always goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had to kind of reduce it down more to the gesture of just sharing. Um, it doesn't seem like something I can necessarily build upon or work for or, um, I don't know. I've just kind of, so yeah, it's strange. I, I'll probably think up a few, uh, extensions of that gesture to share, but I mean, I haven't even, I don't know. I haven't played like live music since <laughs> the time I saw you in Edmonton. Yeah, like, like February. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I, let me tell you, I miss it. I, I really yeah. miss playing music and I truly do miss having, um, a career or a job. Uh, I, I have attended births this summer, but I, I do feel a little lost in terms of what to do with myself, not in terms of like, what should I do with my time? But just what I have things to do with my time. It's just what to do as a musician right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it does feel like a little bit strange, but I hope that I'll just share it, uh, for the next little bit and not, you know, take up too much space doing that, but make sure that the gesture is just uh, generous to share that I have something to share. And people seem to be, some people are saying that they're listening more and some people are saying they're not listening at all. Okay. So then it's for, you know, for the listeners, then for people that are listening and that are having that type of experience at this moment, then I'm just sharing because I have it and it's done to share and I could wait for a more opportune time to share, but that seems that doesn't seem like the thing to do. It just seems to release it and let it go. Have you? I appreciate I appreciate all your candor there, and I, I and I um I feel badly that you have these feelings of uncertainty, uh, sort of. Uh, I guess it's like vocational existential angst or something. But um, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I, so a lot of yeah. us are kind of dealing with that. Uh, on on different levels for sure but have you you say also you said uh it's not like i don't have things to do have you been writing uh new work in this time of suspension uh 
Not tons, no. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, uh, the pandemic started in March and really I've just had my son at home with me yeah. for, you know, and he's 12. Well, he just turned 12. So he's, you know, he's been a around and it's been very cool to be hanging with him. He just went back to school, his choice. I gave him the option to stay home. Yeah. Um, he really wanted to go back and I, I let him be the leader in that. Uh, I wanted him to stay home. I think I was being pretty overprotective, but he yeah. wants to go back and see his peers. He is an only child and I fully respected his choice. Right. We're making it work. And really, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm feeling necessarily angsty, but I I haven't experienced the pandemic as an where I've been able to really think about it because I've mostly just been trying to be a good parent through this. Yeah. And it's been incredibly yeah. challenging. And it's been like a lot of time with family. And um, and it's it hasn't been about alone time. It hasn't been about being alone in my house all alone. That has not been my experience. Yeah. Um, so, but I have over the past two weeks since he went back to school, had time on my own to think about it. And now I'm being like, oh my gosh, what is coming? You know, like, <laughs> so I'm only, I'm kind of late to the, to the, to that experience of like having any time on my hands to like consider what has just happened yeah, and yeah. and it is catching up on me a little bit to be like oh wow this is quite big like i know it's been big but it's i'm just having the time to even process it now so i haven't i haven't processed this i haven't been processing this particular moment in in our in our on our globe in our social political climate in our well, health climate our government climate. I haven't, I've been more just trying to make it okay for an 11 year old. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm only starting to have the time to process it. And I haven't written to this moment yet. I haven't gotten there. Okay. That's fair. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, if people want to learn more about Monarch season or you mm -hmm. or, and, or yeah. you, uh, yeah. where would you like to direct their attention? I, I will say I ordered my copy of your record from the E-Day Fix website, I believe is where I ordered it from. And so I yeah. urge people to do that because it comes with like a special, uh, what is it like sheet music? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, that was one thing we re uh, changed for the pandemic because, um, it, I figured if I couldn't go around to play the music for people, I would send um, the music to people. Yeah. And also my son had started piano lessons last year, so he plays very rudimentary beginner's piano, and I just love it. So I was like, let's make a, a songbook. Yeah, so you can go to jennifercastlemusic.com, I think, yeah. and then it has all the places you can buy a record. And I think if you're in Canada, it sends you to the Ide Fix. And if you're in America, it sends you to Paradise of Bachelors. Okay. You can you can stream it if you have streaming services. And I've had mouthfuls to say about the good or the bad about streaming services. But now that's now that everything that I actually love about music, which is live and tactile, now that all of that has yeah. very much been put on hold, 
I do, I do feel really lucky if you buy my record right now. And yeah. I feel lucky if you stream it. I feel lucky if you do the pre-saving on Spotify or whatever. I'm like, thank you. Thank you to all the gestures of support that you do online. Anybody yeah. that does that, thank you for any pre-orders anybody does. Thank you for any of that because I've never had that. I've never been tuned into this side of music before. And now I just feel thankful if somebody has the extra dollars or the extra cents to support it really means so much okay. at this moment okay so, yeah well i i appreciate uh you saying that i appreciate the ability to spread the word about it as well here if that helps and uh if there's a song from monarch season that we can uh go out on here jen what would you select and why what about uh the song moonbeam array because that really is the song that I feel is most intoxicated by the moon. And I really feel like the moon had such a big piece of the pie of this conversation. Yeah, it did. The, the, moon, the moon did have a big, it was a moon, it was a moon pie. <laughs> it was the big pizza pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. When the moon hits here, I like a big pizza pie. Um, which, <laughs> isn't, this, isn't this podcast supported by a pizza shop? It, or it, it was? It, it, it's still kind of, it's still, Chacadero. you know what, Jen, I'm not even kidding. There, there is a, a friend of mine in Guelph two weeks ago. Because when I left Guelph, I told them, you know, uh, Phil at Pizza Chacadero, you know what he said to me? He said, if any of your friends want pizza after you've moved <laughs> you tell me and i'll 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 set them up i was like really oh come on phil that's too nice and he said no absolutely so i, I didn't think twice about it i mentioned it to a friend guess who contacted me two weeks ago to say hey do you still have that pizza thing i'm like what who <laughs> my friend marion uh and she <laughs> no way. she said uh, you know, we're having a birthday party for my mom, and uh, we could use three pizzas. So I'm like, what? Okay. So I called Phil, and, you know, he was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, are You're you pulling pizza pie strings? I love that. From Edmonton, I ordered my friend three free pizzas in Guelph. So you, You're we, the man. We talked about this earlier. I think I'm magical. I, I bring things. I make things happen or not happen at a, on a whim. And so... Yeah. Anyway, yes, it is pizza trocadero. Uh, for all <laughs> so your, this is the full circle. All uh, now, yeah, full circle. There you go. I uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens now that I've the cats out of the bag. All my Guelph friends are going to be like, "Hey, I heard you talking to Jen Castle about the uh, yeah free pizza. I'd like in on that." Anyway, Moonbeam Array uh, is clever. That's the, so it's a beam or array. That's the sort of little. Is that a pun? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, I'm either looking at the reflection of the moon on the water or I'm looking at the reflection of the sun on the water. My mother just ah. told me when she was here visiting that the sun, when it sparkles on the water, sailors call that diamonds dancing. Yes. And um, and so I wrote, yeah, I wrote that song kind of with that imagery in mind. So whether it's whatever light is dancing on the lake was what I was trying to get at and okay. um and i sequenced that record so that the full moon kind of happened in the middle of it and i pictured the full moon being moon being array so it kind of grows to that song and then and then wanes away from it man so much uh thought into this record about the moon you i get free pizza <laughs> you should get a free subscription to lunar today or whatever the magazine <laughs> is i don't know i don't know what it is but anyway okay this is moonbeam array uh, from the wonderful uh, new album, Monarch Season, 
uh, by Jennifer Castle. Jen, it's always nice to have you on the show, and I appreciate the time, and I hope to see you soon, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Hey, you too. All the very best over in Edmonton, and thank you so much for having me.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, it's great to have Jennifer Castle back on the uh, Creative Control Show. This uh, this time it was for the 571st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, what have you. The show is there. So please, subscribe to the show. Keep up with it. Like it or whatever it asks you to do. I don't know how you engage with podcasts. I simply add them to my library of things i want to subscribe to and then the episodes show up and i don't have to think about it oh yeah i like that show what's what are they doing now please consider doing that with uh, creative control on whatever platform you use uh, if for some reason you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter please visit my website vishkana.com everything you need to know is right there you can like creative control on facebook of course or follow the show on twitter at Vish Creative or follow me directly at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain the existence of this podcast. It really means a lot. I don't know if someone's put out the call. I've had a few, an unusual number of Patreon things have occurred over the last like five days. And uh, I'm not used to that. But it's someone, there must be a subreddit or a message board conversation, but someone has decided to tell everyone to support the show on Patreon. So thank you. I don't know what's going on. Uh, $6 or more a month uh, gets you exclusive uh, content. So consider uh, supporting the show with a financial contribution today at patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. As I mentioned at the top of the show, one of those artists is Jennifer Castle. So if you like what you just heard, if you're not familiar with Jen, go check out her set at liveatmasseyhall.com. Thanks, as always, to Pete's Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support of the show. Uh, Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie, uh, who lends me some music for the show. You can learn more about Jim at uh, jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with Jennifer Castle, and uh, maybe you'll 
Check out the uh, back catalog of episodes, which also feature at least one other episode with Jennifer Castle, maybe two, I can't remember. And uh, otherwise, I hope you're well, and uh, we'll continue listening to the show because I'm going to keep making them for as long as I possibly can. So thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.